Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Nick Arocco, Senior Director of Growth Strategies and Business Development at Drinker Biddle and the CEO of the CFO Alliance. Nick is an attorney by background and has a demonstrated track record in business development and marketing, allowing him to help grow the revenues for others within Drinker Biddle. As the CEO of the CFO Alliance, his mission is to introduce disruptive knowledge sharing within the C-suite financial community in North America. Nick, I've given our listeners some insight into your two roles and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into who you are personally? Thank you, Nicole. So I pride myself and and the people that I work with and for in being positioned as qualified connectors. There's so much noise out there in this day and age. The environment that C-suite executives are operating in uh, is extremely noisy, ever-changing, the furthest thing from being static. And at the same time, time seems to be the greatest asset that everyone is managing. So if I can help them and those that I work with play a role in this, help executives to find a way to build and access qualified peer networks in an environment where they can openly discuss, debate, and dissect the critical issues and opportunities that they're facing, I know, and you know, and your listeners know, they're going to make more confident decisions. And hopefully those decisions not only impact the performance and shareholder value behind the companies that they work with and for, but also the communities, the customers, and the people they serve and that work with them. I think there's a greater good and greater intent behind the mission and approach. And at the same time, it's a lot of fun. So do you find that the executives, when you get them in a room and you have them talking about what's happening in their business, they do share openly? They do, actually. There's a sense of trust. There's transparency into who they're sitting with. There's a sense of purpose in that everyone there, to varying degrees, give more than they get. So that willingness and ability to share creates a pretty unique environment. Those prepared to bring problems and issues and opportunities to light, and then those that are just triggered by the dialogue and the focus behind it really do have an opportunity to speak what's on their mind and know that what gets talked about there individually or in a small group stays there, but also produces actionable takeaways for them. There's so much value. You know, there's no reason that we all have to learn everything on our own, right? Why not learn from others and the experience of others and create ideas together too, different mechanisms to address a business issue? You know, Nicole, a lot of people ask me about the correlation between, you know, the work that I do and with the CFO Alliance and my approach to business development. You hit the nail on the head. You can position yourself as a trusted connector and advisor to your clients and prospective clients. They're going to come to you with problems, issues, opportunities that they know may not be things given your technical background or expertise of you or your firm, know that any advice or counsel or connection you're going to make is trusted. That's the common tie that binds my approach and the work that I do with and for others in business development and what I've done with the CFO Alliance community. In my background, having worked both in sales and had the opportunity to lead a marketing group, I've delineated those two departments on some basic criteria. Marketing is all about messaging, opening doors, creating content, really determining 
determining what our voice should be as an organization to the market. And of course, today, marketing has a lot to do with data analytics and and really looking at how people are spending their time when they're evaluating services. And then business development being that contracting and signing profitable business. Do you use that same delineation either in your role at Drinker or in your work with the CFO Alliance? Are you seeing that delineation? At its core, I think your description and depiction of the function and purpose of marketing and business development are accurate, but I'm seeing a blending. It used to be that in business development, we could set goals and expectations, performance objectives, put people, process, and technology in place, and simply push and move forward and know at all times that we'd have an ability to articulate very clearly with numbers where we are, where we want to get to, and and who's doing what. And it used to be this very quick discussion, very quick sign-off. I think to your point, it's changing. Technology has provided an opportunity in good ways, positive ways, for measurement and quantitative and numbers to be not only tied towards return on investment strategies, but a direct connection between the investments and efforts of marketing and business development, i.e. revenue generation and growth. I think that there's a real opportunity to commit to the delineation between the responsibilities and roles in business development marketing, but also at the same time, a very strong connection between the two that had never been there before. I think that companies and firms, especially in the professional services space, have realized that any investment that they can and will make should have some type of correlation towards revenue generation or revenue growth. So I think it's a real opportunity for those in marketing to to lead, as you put it. Until 18 months ago, we did not have business development directors in this firm. And now we have three and a fourth on the way. For the candidates and the individuals that I have on board, I counsel them and all of the professionals we have in business development and marketing to create meaningful dialogue. The other day, we met as an entire department from entry level through our most senior professionals. And a word of advice for all of them, we need to spend time learning about what we do what our attorneys do, what it means to the clients we serve, and how we deliver it. If we can understand that and demonstrate that that sense of, of desire to understand and ultimately demonstrate that understanding, we can be much more effective. Those attorneys, they are the final closers in the sales process. They are the product. And they are at the forefront of the client relationship development and penetration efforts to go deeper and do more. Great information and great perspective. Can you talk about a success story where you've seen your team engage from a business development perspective or a marketing perspective? Can you tell us the story? What occurred and why was it successful? Sure. I operate in a law firm environment with three different lines of business, You know, over 600 lawyers in a variety of different practice areas. But the three lines of business can be categorized as litigation-related, government and regulatory affairs-related, and business transactions or corporate-related. And I'm going to use an example from our corporate and securities group. You know, we have an outstanding group of attorneys, partners, associates, and clients who work with our corporate and securities group in a variety of different areas. The relationships are rich with opportunity and and successes. They are quarterbacked by individuals who are viewed as best in class in their field and highly connected and relevant 
relevant in the industries and markets that we do work in. At the same time, they are, given the nature of the work and given the opportunity to, quote, walk the hallways, we found that if we could find a business developer who had a, a strong acumen and background in the corporate and securities area, coupled with a legal background, and we dedicated that individual towards very focused, agreed upon relationship development efforts, i.e. penetration efforts with existing clients, we think that we could move the needle forward at a faster rate and more effective rate and also deliver a higher level of client service by having this person dedicated towards going deeper on a daily basis with those relationships. And I was able to identify, begin and work with and bring on board a business development director for that practice and sat down with the practice leader, I guess, 18 months ago to outline goals and objectives, to identify barriers and potential pitfalls, to take a look at where competition existed and opportunity existed and help him develop a framework to enhance that relationship. We introduced this individual to those clients. We set a clear expectation with the clients that this individual will be dedicated towards ensuring not only the existing services we provide are met at the highest level, but to add value far beyond the services themselves. Are there ways that we could enhance the value we're creating in the relationship? Is there a way that we can help them address other needs that they may have that may fall outside the scope of traditional legal services? And in the case of one particular client, a private equity fund with a number of portfolio companies, as well as significant capital looking to be deployed into new companies, this business development director work on a plan to help identify new opportunities, potential investment opportunities, divestment opportunities for that private equity fund and its portfolio companies and their investment capital. He had a strong Rolodex, access to companies that fit the profile and criteria based upon his reputation and his previous work. And he put a systemized process in place where he met with his client once a month to review their portfolio, to bring potential introductions to light. That also gave him the opportunity to coordinate and calibrate this effort with the partners so that the client got to see the partner, not only when they were working on a specific project or transaction or deal, but as part of this effort. And it also demonstrated to the client they were there for not only the short term, i.e. the billable project at hand, but for the long term. It resulted in a significant opportunity for the firm to increase its work over the course of that 18-month period, but more importantly, position this individual and our firm in a way that when it came time for an annual retreat where this private equity fund would bring the executives from all of their companies together once a year for best practice sharing, learning, and celebration for the most recent successes, it provided an opportunity for our firm at their request and invite to get to know, to introduce, and to play a critical role at that retreat so that they could establish relationships with those companies. So now we're not only doing work with that parent, but the children, i.e. the private equity fund and its portfolio companies. And it's all because we put someone in place who said, I'm going to help us open up our ears and listen to what's on the minds and hearts of this client beyond the work scope of work that we're doing for them, not on the clock, but off the clock. I'm going to do something about it. I'm at least going to take the steps to do that. And that meant everything. I talk about this a lot in some of the coursework that I produced for Left Foot because I've heard other guests refer to this idea of we need to talk to the clients about the client and the business and be proactive and talk to them about what might be coming down the road, not because it'll lead to more work. And frankly, it might in most cases, probably will in most cases, that we're the partner. We're, I'm going to use this phrase, it's an older 
phrase, but if you truly are a trusted advisor, you are in there talking with them proactively about what's next in their business. Spending the time and not just running straight to the legal matters or as someone said to me, becoming the disappearing lawyer that's only around when you're called to work on something. Why do you think this is so hard to do, to be in those conversations? Is it pressure to Bill? I think there's pressure to Bill, yes. And I also think it's the way that lawyers are, and I'm going to isolate lawyers, although I've worked directly with other professionals. You know, we're taught to persuade, negotiate, present, communicate our points of view, our interests, and represent with the highest level of advocacy the side that we're on. And that's not just in litigation, it's in negotiation on the business and transaction side, and it's on the discussion and the agreement side around government and regulatory affairs. Taught to do a lot of talking and a lot less listening. And we have to change that. We have to demonstrate that we not only understand, but that there's power to understanding and listening. That power can be extremely impactful to the client and to us and the relationship overall. Part of it is the way that lawyers are trained and also the way that they're compensated based upon the work that gets billed and hits the bottom line. Second, I think time is the greatest asset everybody's managing. And if you take the first part of that equation, which is how lawyers traditionally get paid, and then the fact that there seems to be so much coming at you on a day-to-day basis, personally and professionally, you feel at all times a frenzy. And so that idea of blocking time to simply pick up the phone and say to client or prospect X, here's something I'm thinking about. I'd love to talk to you about it. Or simply, I was thinking about you. What's on your plate on this day of the week or this month or this quarter? It's not rocket science, but there needs to be some sense of purpose and some sense of passion around it. I will tell any of the professionals that I work with directly or through my business development team, you have to be authentic. You can't fake this. We really at times play actor within the practice of law, especially in some of our practices. In the case of business development, tell them, go with what's comfortable for you and be authentic. You don't have to pretend to be someone or something, and you don't necessarily have to be there at all times to convince the person that you're sitting across from or on the phone with or communicating with through email that your point is the right point. It's not a negotiation or an argument. So Nick, this is so interesting. Of course, what's going on in the industry, the legal industry, and just, you know, obviously in business in general, likely due to technology and likely due to to changing market conditions, there's more competition, the market's changing, there's more independent legal service organizations, companies like Axiom here in New York City, we have Priori, more and more people going out and acting as of counsel at firms or going out on their own. The market is changing. So people are having to respond differently. You conveyed that idea of picking up the phone and saying, hey, can we have a conversation or can we get together and, and talk about your business? Is this a new thing or is there just more of an emphasis on the need to do it because the market has changed? Uh, Nicole, I think some of the professions at large are playing catch up to, to a phenomena that you just articulated so well. Demographics behind our workforce and ultimately our client base is changing. We have such a diverse population of individuals inside our own companies and firms as well as inside our client and prospective client companies and firms. And we need to recognize that just think how technology has changed the way people view their career paths, people view their life paths, the 
linear approach is no longer there. And I view that as an opportunity in business development. Yes, it needs to be comfortable. It needs to feel good on both sides in terms of the business development and relationship development steps. It can't be forced on either end. There's no longer this sense of needing to take a series of meetings over the course of a year or year's time to establish a relationship. Technology has changed all of that. We now have the ability to draw a common tie and connection to people through degrees of separation like never before, through technology tools like LinkedIn and otherwise. So I view that not as a threat to relationship development. I don't view that as a shortcut to relationship development. I view it as a catalyst and accelerator to relationship development. You know, I think that that's not necessarily a phenomenon that all are comfortable with or used to, especially as they look at the way that they develop their client relationships or referral source relationships or just overall networks personally and professionally. But they're going to have to in order to compete in the years ahead. And they're going to have to just to even maintain the relationships that they have. Embrace this. I do think the access to information and the ability to go out and identify others that you want to speak to, talk to, to have knowledge of what their background is. In most cases, you can find, especially for prominent people, there's something on most people out there. And hopefully the good professional content. In the CFO Alliance, are you looking at the work you're doing there to add that next level of communication and collaboration through gathering people? Is is that, I would assume that's part of the mission. It is part of the mission. You know, we took a group of individuals that whose roles were and responsibilities were ever-changing. Think about the evolution of the role of the chief financial officer, what it meant to be a CFO five years ago versus what it looks like today and what it may look like five years from now. These are individuals that invested in training and development, both technical and interpersonal, on skills that they may not even be applying when they think about how they spend their time now day to day versus what was anticipated. So the role's ever-changing. On top of it all, as a collection of people, I'll draw a generalization, they're viewed as being not the most social people by nature. How do you maximize for them the time they're going to spend to build and access a network? How are you going to ensure that it's the right people talking about the right things? If we set out to create this type of environment and community and network a decade ago, it would have been very difficult to do. Now, because of technology and also because of a cultural shift and a comfort level, it's come relatively easy to to demonstrate the value, the mechanics, and then ultimately the potential for a return on investment if you're a CFO who's going to invest time and effort in, in building and contributing to and using this network. And I think that moves across a lot of functional verticals. And I think it's something that most professional services firms can get behind. Who's not going to get behind demonstrating advocacy and understanding to the clients that they serve? You know, as I look at what's going on in both sales and marketing, business development and marketing area, as well as changes going on in the legal profession, and to your point, any industry, business technology has become such a big part of what we do. What, in your opinion, of all those things is innovative? You know, something that's not just better, but truly is new. I'm actually really thinking about the idea of innovation and how it's not only impacting what we do in business development and marketing, but how it's impacting our clients. I got the opportunity to spend some time with the chairman of the board of one of the top five largest global technology companies in the world recently. And when I asked him about how he's spending his time and how his C-suite is spending their time, he said, I'm spending my time as a futurist. And I hope my C-suite team is as well, because technology has not only disrupted the 
employee experience, i.e., you know, what an employee has access to, how it feels for them to go to work for a company or firm. But it also impacts our customer experience and the business models in both us and them. You talked a little bit about innovation and how models are being brought to market to compete against the delivery of traditional professional services firms like law firms. And then you also talk about how technology can be used in the most positive way to disrupt the relationship development and the the experience between client and provider. Think about a uniqueness of it all, the ways now that people can get and share information and intelligence about each other and use it in a way that's real time and live time. I think the mobility effect in and of itself is the most impactful. We can spend a lot of time talking about the need for customer relationship management systems like CRM. We can talk about the need for access to information like LinkedIn. We can talk about the ability to connect with the contact and interact with a client or prospective client and mobility is behind it. I'm amazed at how easy it is now to access via my mobile the information that I have and need on who I'm doing business with, who my firm is doing business with, when we last touched them, what's the latest going on that we need to be aware of today, not looking at the past, but what's happening right now. So there's an immediacy that technology brings to all of this effort, the immediacy that's impacting the business models, but also business development and marketing at large. Just the whole dynamic of how we work today has changed. An associate of mine was on his way to a meeting and he said, I'm looking for this particular piece of information and I can't find it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you're in the car on the way. So in the past, I would say, well, you didn't prep. But I think the dynamic today is that he felt quite confident he would be able to prep in the car on the way because the world has changed and we've given access to these tools. And I agree with you. I mean, there's so much available, especially with your marketing hat on. We have to make sure that we're communicating in a way that it's not in an attachment. It's not, you know, in an older form, right? Because people are not going to see it or open it. Nicole, I call that digestible. And lawyers are notorious for creating the non-digestible. Hey, look, I've counseled them. I'll use your example. If we can help them in business development and marketing, set up an electronic alert system that hits them once a day with some type of immediacy of information and intelligence on a key client, on a key practice area or issue, or on a key market they're serving. Get them into the routine of simply reading, digesting, and forwarding it with a quick note saying, thought of you, thought you should read this in a sentence on here's why. They've done their job of creating value, demonstrating understanding and advocacy, and taking that client relationship a step forward. I know that that sounds so basic to business development and marketing professionals, but to the practitioners themselves, they haven't necessarily in an organized, effective way embraced and executed that. By the way, they're highly capable of doing it. As I've put process and place and put technology in the hands of a business development team and who work directly with our attorneys to execute on tasks like this, I have no doubt that most, if not all, who adopt this enjoy doing it and do it most effectively because they're very bright, passionate individuals. As people that are talking to professionals about communication, about business development, about being proactive with ideas. Are we almost giving these really smart people more
more permission to do it. I think they would do it naturally, but they haven't been doing it. But by saying, hey, you know what? You need to be doing this. I've had, especially women lawyers say to me, now I embrace my desire to have conversations that are beyond the law with my clients, like talk about their families and things like that, because they know it's building a relationship that is going to mean more. And, you know, some of these folks have said early in my career, I didn't feel like that was appropriate. And now I know it is because it's how I'm going to learn about what's going on with them, what's going on in their business, what's going on in their life, and I'm going to build a better relationship. Oh, I totally agree. At the end of the day, they're in a relationship in people business. If they didn't believe in not only the technical merits and impact they'll have being the attorneys that they are, they also didn't believe that there was a sense of purpose and a sense of opportunity and a sense of responsibility to work with people they wouldn't be in this field. They'd be doing something completely different. And so, and look, that moves across professional services firms' disciplines. In the case of lawyers in particular, back to where we started, they've been trained to articulate, communicate, persuade, negotiate, and win. Apply that in a comfortable, authentic way in the relationship development process, and it'll go a long way for them. Nick, you have a lot of energy about what you do. What do you enjoy most about your work? Probably to what I just said, if, if I didn't believe in the power of people, I wouldn't be operating in either role that I'm in. I clearly have an affinity for and desire and respect for the decisions in their respected professional roles. I love building confidence in those decisions. And I learned very early on that that confidence doesn't need to come from words out of my mouth, but connecting an individual who needs that confidence to someone I know who has the ability to address or solve that problem or provide advice on that problem or who is going through it or been through it themselves. And that's one of the other key pieces I want to mention is that this network and and even my approach to business development isn't always about me opening up a coat pocket saying, hey, I can solve that problem. Many times I'm saying, hey, I know somebody who also has that problem. How about the three of us discuss it? Let's attempt to find a way to identify a number of different solutions that may fit or someone or some ones who can help us solve that problem. Problem. Let's tackle it together versus tackling it alone. I never want anybody I'm going to be working with or dealing with in business development or in the CFO Alliance to feel lonely. It's the best way I could put it. Great way to put it. Fantastic way to put it. Any last points before we say goodbye? I do want to say beyond authentic, beyond the point of emphasizing the fact that we now have information at our disposal that can make us and our teams and our professionals more effective in relationship development and business development. My third point is that this is not static. Just as we're counseling our sales and marketing teams and our practitioners to do more in terms of connection and network to peers, we need to be taking our own advice. I look forward to the next series of podcasts, the next series of learnings, the next series of gatherings with peers so that I can get and give as well. We are in a continuous period of learning too in business development. We don't have all the answers and I enjoy forums and methods that I'm teaching others to employ as well. Great last point, Nick. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. And thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. Left Foot.